0: AppsFlyer presents Winning in the Nordics with Anneli
1: Welcome to Winning in the Nordics. I'm your host, Anneli Nas, and I'll meet some of the most interesting marketers, investors, and app developers across the region to learn from their success stories. I'm the founder of Aim4, your partner for digital marketing and growth, and this podcast is a collaboration with AppsFlyer. AppsFlyer provides mobile marketers with the technology they need to grow their apps and create exceptional user experiences. I'm here today with Hanna Mitton. She's a tech profile and SaaS guru who has worked with sales and growth for over 15 years. Hanna is also an experienced board member who currently holds board member position at seven companies, including Inchorley, Mentimeter, and All Ears. Hanna, you have quite a resume and... I I don't think we have time to go through it in detail, but do you want to give me some highlights?
0: Oh, some highlights. I mean, in in essence, so um, I've kind of slid it into the tech startup scene and and realized that I really liked it there and it was a good fit. Uh, So so, um, uh, I've been... Joining companies when they're in a a massive growth journey is so it's kind of all hands on deck and I love that chaos uh, combined with with, uh, growth pain that comes with growing really fast and um, so I, I spent my career in the UK, seven years in the States, and then the last nine years or so, I've been in, in, in Stockholm. And uh, some of the companies that I worked with from an operative level is, is iSettle and uh, Soundwork Your Brand, and over in the US, Meltwater and Wildfire. So held different positions, everything from really cold calling sales exec to, to running the sales team opening new sales offices, so market expansion, to heading up customer success, which focuses on upsells and retention, and also running marketing. Wow. I mean, I'm honored to have you here
1: and uh, such an amazing journey. I think that uh, a lot of people who have been listening will be like myself when I hear that and be like, oh my God, she's done everything I want to do. <laughs> Just go out and do it, honestly. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for saying that. That's really sweet. <laughs> Cool, but today we're gonna uh, talk a bit more about your current situation and, and like what you learned from uh, being a board member, and and also teach uh, you listener and hopefully inspire at least to how you can work with the with the board and uh, and questions related to that. Mm-hmm. So um, let's get started. Uh, just from the beginning, what's the purpose of a board?
0: So I guess you have kind of two sides because you have the accountability and the governance part of, of of having a board, and then it's ultimately the board's uh, board's responsibility to make sure that the company is following all the rules and regulations and laws and and acting um, ethically. Uh, and uh, we're also making sure that the owners, directors are, are being followed. So that is the governance and accountability, which is jokes aside, but it's kind of the boring stuff, right? Um, but then you also have the strategic development and add-on, which is is why I am sit on boards, is helping the management team and, and, the, and the company to have an outside-in directive and, and look at opportunities and help the, uh, the company evolve strategically to make sure that they are spending time on what matters the most. Uh, and therefore, from my point of view, it's important to have board members that has a background or experience or competences that will help the company in doing so.
1: Yeah. That's a very good description. Um, I'm going to also kind of to for perspective here say that I appointed the board for uh, a year ago. So we're going to have a bit of a conversation about when Great. I did it and like yeah. how we decided to to do it. But I... I for me, at least, it was a really hard decision to to kind of decide on when you should do this, because mm. in one way you kind of want to be ahead of things and, and like do it early. On the other hand, board work can be very structured and in an environment where everything goes very fast, it can feel a bit that it's making things slow. So Absolutely. according to you, when it's the uh, when is the right time and why?
0: I mean, it's not like a right or wrong answer to that. I, I think, I guess, why did you decide then a year ago was the right time? Oh, good question, turning it back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Clever. Yeah.
1: Um, I think for me, I, I founded my company myself and we had come to a point where we were 13 people. Mm. And I started to realize that I uh, wanted to... I've always tried to have the structural um, things a bit ahead of when we need them. Mm -hmm. And I started to feel that this was the time when we needed that. We also, uh, I participated in a course on actually like how to work with, um, I think it's called... business oriented uh, board work and um, uh, when uh, I I did that mostly because I've also been uh, in the board position and I kind of like had seen it from that perspective but when I took this class I realized oh my god I I really need a board now. You mm-hmm. know, what if something happens? Um, we, you know, uh, we need more structure uh, right. and we need um, more accountability from me personally. Yeah. And I think that was when I decided. Yeah.
0: I would say that it's often when, when you as a company is standing by a crossroad of some sort. Mm-hmm. And it can't be at a crossroad where you're raising external capital. Mm-hmm. It can be ex- uh, where you pivoting a focus or changing directions when you're deciding to kind of push the pedal up to the middle um, and uh, and start uh, growing at a higher speed, or when you just organically grow, so you feel like there's a need for more governance and also a little bit more of a structure and, and strategy. So, so there's not like by this stage you should appoint the board. Um, I think I think as a founder, uh, you should typically come to a realization where where you're at and where you feel like you want that added support functions from, from externally. It also depends on if you have an advisory board because mm. if you have an advisory board that you're working actively then you might actually postpone the the need for a board because a lot of the times they're intertwined and they work simultaneously.
1: Yeah and, and just for those who doesn't know can you mm-hmm. uh, share the difference between an advisory board and the
0: yeah so an advisory board is is really a, a group of people typically that that uh, you seek for mentorships for advising and and that had some kind of vested interest in your business on a long-term scale so uh, it typically adds from well i would say it, it acts more of a, in the same vein as the strategic division does on the board but obviously an advisory board doesn't have the governance or accountability that's needed. So it will not um, have the active support that you, you as a founder might feel like you need from, from more from a governance point of view. Mm-hmm. So uh, advisory board, I would say, is just an extended mentorship.
1: Yeah. And uh, in my experience, it's also uh, f- because at least for me, when I've been working with mentors, I've been working with them a lot alone. So mm-hmm. like one on one. But with the advisory board, you kind of get there the accelerated power of uh, their brains combined. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. nice, Uh, cool. But like, when it's time, then we have I've come to the crossroads. Mm -hmm. Like, what should I look for in a board member?
0: So there's many ways of doing this, obviously, again, but the way I typically advise founders to do is, is to map out the areas that are extremely important for your business and and try to overlap the board with them. So if you're a product-driven company, you want to make sure that you have someone that's really experienced in, in, in growing and developing a product. Obviously, if you are a, a global first or, or international company, you want to make sure that you have someone on the board that has experience of market expansion and working in global settings. So the way I would see it is that you should almost try to resemble the, the management team, but the experience of the board should ideally have 10x from that. So it's some someone that you would, in a dream scenario, have in your management team but you might not be able to actually afford or, or act at that level. So, and again, I would say that this is a strategic part of it. Then from a governance point of view, It helps tremendously to have someone that has board experience before, especially in the chairman or chairwoman position, uh, because it does demand for a lot of knowledge and skill sets on how to run a board. So that will really put a lot of ease off your mind as a founder if you have someone with that experience.
1: Especially in the beginning, like how many board members would you appoint? Because I've been in anything from three people to... I think we were at 12 in the biggest one. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I know.
0: <laughs> um, well, so it depends on your size, right? But 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 um, if if you're just starting out, if you're this is your first board, I would I would rather start by four or five people where where um one or two might be actually employees. So so I would I would not be too overly ambitious, but but um in most of the boards where I'm at, we have a maximum of six people and I would say that's the ideal um because then then everyone gets to get their voices heard, but we also can have great discussions in the board without the board meetings taking, you know, 6 7 hours. Mm.
1: Yeah, makes sense. So I think this sets a bit of the foundation, the practical, uh, mm-hmm. like they're getting started. But if we kind of uh, lean into the bit of the actual work, I found that going from not having a board to having a board, it's mm-hmm. sometimes a bit hard for me as a, a founder or CEO to know what I should bring up with the board. Uh, especially, mm-hmm. I mean, we have the meetings and we have the agendas for a meeting, but when things uh, come up in the organization, like having that. Oh, I should probably bring this up. Uh, it's not always like yeah. uh, uh, top of mind uh, because you're running so fast. Like, what would be your advice there, too?
0: Yeah, and typically, uh, most mistakes that 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 founders do with their first board is that they're too um, too granular. So, so they're they're kind of reporting and asking for permissions for everything. So again, um, I would really advise you to to put up uh, clear owner instructions there in terms of the owners of the company and, and what's the directions there and also together with the CEO instructions so you can actually type down what you as a CEO, regardless if you're the founder or not, what's your what's your job profi- profile and description here and, and what's within the mandate of you to decide or not. And in addition to that, obviously, you want to have clear clear instructions regarding on. Uh, you know, what costs can you make decisions on on your own? What do you need the board's decision on? What hiring and firing do you need the board's decision on? Um, but typically, when it comes to the operational run of the business, that's just a day-to-day business of um, of making sure that you have the right people in place uh, and recruiting in and so on. Uh, it's it's not really in the board's interest to be aware to of all those changes, but make sure so if you have a budget. Budget approved and you can act within that mandate of that budget, then the board shouldn't really intertwine with anything that you do within uh, within that. But I, I think the way you should look at it from a, from a, from a founder and CEO perspective is that having a board really forces you to to stop now and then and kind of take a helicopter perspective. So when you put together the board pack and when it's put together the CEO you know monthly report and so on, it really forces you to stop and, and look at it. Okay, where are we? How are we doing? Are we focusing on the right things? Should Are we missing something out? So in my experience, one of the great... Things about actually pointing a board and and starting getting into the trajectory of working with one is not in the true uniqueness of the board members itself, but it, but it's more so of also being forced to report something from a from a helicopter perspective to a group of people that are not into the into the business every day. I don't know if you agree.
1: Yeah, it actually makes a, a
0: lot of sense, and
1: I I, I when you're talking, mm-hmm. I kind of reflect back to some of the meetings, and I'm like. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what has happened. You know, <laughs> pre- preparing for the meetings in mm-hmm. particular, but also um, just really nice to have a um, group of outsiders talking. Uh, it's oh, that sounded weird, outsiders, but like they are Outside not really, in perspective. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah, absolutely. Um, and they are still, you know, they are still uh, invested enough, so they. They know about the basics. I don't have to like yeah. if I would if I would just talk to anyone, I I would need to do so much more explaining, but mm. they know the basics and and so forth. So I, I I agree. I think what I'm where I'm still learning is those things that aren't in the documents but where the board might have really good input like um, yeah. There, the balance is is still. Um, I think I I usually realize that I should talk to them always too late. Like I could yeah. have done it two weeks before. Yeah. Like not um, not so it's uh, interfering with anything, but it's more that I say, can you answer this within twenty four
0: hours? <laughs> but but it's tough, right? Because yeah. you have a thousand things on your to do list. You're running a business, uh, and it's not like you're lacking things to do in your in in your day to no. day um area. So so. Then I would advise you to instead to, to kind of set a cadence to once a week or once every week, actually put it in your calendar to jot down a few bullet points to your board that you just kind of sort out. And it could be highlights. It could be challenges. It can be things that you're thinking about. And don't forget to share wins with your board, because typically we all only hear about the problems. And mm. uh, So so uh, in one of the company boards that I'm at, um. The the entire board is actually uh, copied into the, the weekly internal letter that the CEO sends out to the organization. And we're so excited about those, so because it gives us really an insight mm. perspective to to what's happening in the organization at a level where we would normally not get that information at right, and and that so we see when people new recruits coming in, and and we see uh, what jobs that they're looking for, we see what new tools that they have, and um, and that naturally creates kind of. Uh, us to 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 opt in and, and really take part in, and be like oh by the way I know that I've worked with that person or I have that and mm. uh, so so by involving your board not just for asks or and and the boring parts but also just keeping them closer to the business I think um, you'll realize that they start acting with a lot more invested interest then. Like that,
1: I I'll steal that. Uh, <laughs> I steal with pride. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it was a good
0: advice, so feel free to steal. Yeah.
1: Mm. Just one thing that you mentioned a few times now, and uh, that f- at least before I decided to appoint the board was new to me, uh, was uh, writing the owners di- directive. Yes. Um, so can you share a bit, like why do you think it's important? What, sh- like, if you sit down to um, to write that, what should you think mm-hmm. about, and, and um, why is this important?
0: It depends on who the owners are, right? It might be that you've raised external capital, so you have actually VCs or PE or or angels, um, and it's important that you really capture their mission with the company and their vision with it, to um, together with the founders, uh, of course. So at the end of the day. Um, that is the job description for the board, that is what they should be focusing on. So the way I see it, because typically I'm, I'm, I'm appointed as an external board member, uh, and when I come into the board and I, it's important for me to know where's the company, um, heading at, and uh, at what a spa- pace, uh, what should we really focus on and what should we not be focusing on, um, and In most of the companies that I'm working with, they have raised external capital. So then you have the VCs um, kind of stipulating that, right? So it's uh, typically connected to amount of of size that they should grow in what markets and, and how quickly, whether they should aim for an IPO, so going public. Whether they should aim to build a long-term long-term business, whether they should aim for profitability, or they should invest in excess in growth, uh, or even if they should actually aim for selling the company, and and those different alternatives that I just gave. It, it has a big implication on on how you run the business and how you the board should vote and how the board should really focus on so so it's important that you have that um document especially if you start having non kind of non-owners board members being appointed on your board uh, and in the same way then we stipulate that in the CEO instruction so uh, the board, is the boss of the CEO and and it's important that the CEO also has a job description on what his or her mission is and what they should try and accomplish. Mm.
1: Very very good and I I like that um, clarification of the owner's directive you mentioned in the beginning that in the boards you are at you there is almost always visa capital yeah, a, f- a few that that are bootstrapped. But, okay. yeah, yeah. but the, is there any difference there between the bootstrapped and the VC-founded companies in how the board work uh,
0: is? Or like, do you see anything? Uh, yes, a big difference, okay. I would say, because um, in the companies that have not raised any capitals, the owners are typically the founders, are typically you know, the executive team. so So they're kind of working for themselves, right? So... Then in a a natural vein, the the board has less to say about because end of the day, it's the owners who set their direction for the company. And if the owners and the CEO and founders and the executive team are the same people, the board kind of becomes a little bit of a proxy, right? So then in most cases... If I if I should be a little bit dramatic, then the board is more acting like an advisory board than mm. an actual board to make decisions. Yeah. Um. So so then that that would say is a big difference.
1: Mm. So we're going to actually, this kind of leans us into the next topic, which is, which is a bit of uh, investment or other financing. But um, I always like to ask the question, is there anything uh, about board work that I should have asked you about that I haven't asked you about?
0: Well, I think I think a lot of people are curious about board work in general. I talk with a lot of people that, well, there's two sides. I mean, um, There's people that are curious and wants to join a board and kind of know how how do I go about it, you know, and what's the first step here. Uh, and uh, I would say especially females that that are asking me that questions and and ideally because I'm a role model I'd like to think of Um, and I always recommend them to go some kind of course or kind of uh, see so they really understand what the board work is all about because I think some people have a misunderstanding about it being very glamorous to some degree (laughs) and I can tell you right now that it's not Um, (laughs) it's a free cup of coffee uh, if you're lucky you know but <laughs> but it it does take a lot of time, and it's it's tough to be on boards uh, if you're having a an, an engaged full time job, and because you have to do it on the side, right? And secondly, I would say also that some some people almost think that there's some kind of mystery going on in the board room, and there's very serious discussions uh, going on that are super high level. And uh, end of the day, we're just you know typically. People that wants to help the business and wants to get an understanding and provide that outside-in perspective to that, uh, it just happens to have that we have a little bit of a voting power there. But if if so, there if there are decisions taken that are against management wills and so on, it's it's more so because we have a bit of a more objective view or lack of understanding that might be. You know, a lot of the times the board can make wrong decisions. So it's not out of spite or ill will, or that there is a mystery going on in the boardroom. And and I always what I I regret having when I was in a in a management team or working more operately, is is having more of an engaged board where I could reach out to the individual members and and have one on ones with them and kind of get their perspective on things. And so that's why I'm trying to focus on on giving back to do that as much as possible right now. Mm, I like that. The last thing you
1: mentioned was, uh, it's actually very interesting because I think that sometimes it is a, do you say a Chinese wall? Uh, yeah. Between no, like yeah. Um, members of the organization and, and the board. And I think that. Very um, much so.
0: Yes. Yeah, uh, yes.
1: And I think that that is pretty important to try to remove if If possible, Mm -hmm. uh, because at least I have found that uh, by inviting the board into like, for us, they were in our planning meeting. So everybody was like uh, doing it operatively and uh, they are part of our uh, strategic focus groups, uh, like one board member in one in each group. And like they go out to lunch with the employees and stuff. That's great. um, Uh, I think that removes a bit of the mystery. Uh, And we also try to every monthly meeting we have, we have a point that is like board work. And if there has been a board meeting uh, since the last meeting, we also Mm. report what we have said and
0: what we discussed and stuff to
1: kind of remove that uh, mystery.
0: Good. And I would also urge you not to just have, you know top managers to present to the board, but also have a good variation of people. So you you kind of have that, you lower the boundary of the the Chinese wall, right? Yeah. Uh, And and also... um, I, I try, I don't do this enough, and I should do it a lot more, but I actually try and sit at the companies that I'm on the board for so I can become more visible. So instead of me sitting in a co-working office one day, I go and sit at Mentimeter, for example, mm. or or um and, and 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 not just kind of go into the boardroom and then leave, but being a little bit more visible. And I say I, I don't do this enough, but but uh, that's something that I would really urge you as a board member or if you're an executive that reports to board, or ur- urge your board members to do so. Yeah, good tip. We'll take that too. Thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> cool. So if we go into like investment and uh, and uh, other financing, mm. I mean, sometimes you you don't really have the option to bootstrap. Mm. Uh,
0: but when is the right time to seek financing, and uh, when shouldn't you? Such a broad question, and and and. I must kind of forward this with, with, uh, so my, my experience is, is B2B and SaaS and tech companies and, and I, the playbook that I run is, is all around that kind of business model. So, so, uh, I have full respect and understanding that every business is unique and every industry is unique, but, um, if I should generalize, I should say that if you have a unique idea or service or product where you see that there is a land grab opportunity, so you can actually grow really quick, uh, to make sure that that even at a loss, uh, and show that if you put one dollar in, and and you will get you know three, four, five dollars out a year or so from now on, which is typically a subscription model or similar. Uh, that's what an investor want to see and that's when you you can raise capital at a little bit more confident confident than than in general mm-hmm. so first of all don't raise capital too 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 early because you will dilute yourself tremendously as a fa- founder but as soon as you see that you have a minimal viable product or service um you have identified customers that are willing to pay for for it and keep on using your service or product uh, and there is an opportunity for you to grow faster if you had more resources and typically that evolves around people uh, and and potentially you know marketing spend. but then then you have all the important ingredients that that you need to show for an investor, but you should also capitalize on that and raise capital and and go at it. Mm. When shouldn't you seek financing? I mean, when you don't have what I just said, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> too uh, yeah, and and also that I I think that if you don't have answers to all the questions, you will spend a lot of time trying to defend why you should be raising capital, and you will have a hard time uh, finding capital from from uh, from uh, angels and investors, and and then that is probably a clear indication too that you shouldn't.
1: Yeah. I think like what I'm fishing for. Yeah, you there you, there you go. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, is, I think uh, a lot of, of what I've been seeing, um, working with m- many companies and, and so forth and, and constellations is that when you do taking capital, you also, okay, this is dramatically put, but forfeits a bit of your power. Yes. Uh, so yes. even if you would say yes to all those, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that we too rarely talk about the um what actually happens internally when you have someone else like uh, owning part of your business and maybe like want to push
0: more for uh, growth and so forth no it's it's a good point and i think that that mainly first time founders and entrepreneurs don't realize that you're essentially spending other people's money and of course the those those people will want to have a strong say and power in how you should drive the business so the minute you start you kind of dilute your ownership you take on on external owners uh, you have to be very very much aware that that you're giving some of the power away it's no longer up to you to run the business the way you see fit but but it's almost like taking on another partner or co-founder to Mm. that degree yeah yeah, definitely. And I, I think so. So up until now, it's been pretty binary, right? So you, you either bootstrapped yourself, or, or you've taken external capital from friends, from angels, from investors in institutionalized or uh, investors or not. And and what we're seeing right now is that there, there is a bunch of alternative of financing ways coming up, which I think is super exciting. Um, so before we've had maybe soft money, uh, so meaning that you grants or stuff or anything like that, which has been pretty tricky to get. Now we're seeing the likes of, of companies like Arc, Cap CapChase, um, that are providing equity loans, loans in, in general, um, that, that are getting... We're, what we're finding is that we're having more creative ways of financing uh, your business. So, so uh, I, I think you really need to map out how you want to grow as a company and how big and what you're, well, essentially what I'm saying is that a lot of founders don't map out like a five or 10 year financing strategy. And if you really map that out, you can then match that with alternative financing ways. So depending on when you want to dilute yourself to when and and depending how many times you're going to raise money, what's the length of, of money raised to getting return on investments and so on. So it, it can be a tricky subject if you feel really unsure about it. Just uh, There's plenty of people that are really good at about it. But uh, raising capital is not just about finding an, a, a rich guy or girl and asking them to put in money. There's many ways of, of getting external capital these days.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. This is kind of off topic, but mm. have you read Simon Sinek's The Infinite Game?
0: I have, but not recently, so I'm just trying to rack my brain around.
1: Okay, so uh, so for you guys listening then, because I kind of wanted Hanna's uh, perspective on this, um, is that uh, what he talks about in that game is that when you do take in, um, or he's talking a lot about like um, companies who are on the stock market and so forth, and what is really happening with them, how they maybe take a lot of decisions that are like based on uh, showing quarterly uh, results and so forth versus that uh, when you are like um, privately owned or maybe not even backed that you can have a much longer perspective and um, for me that book um, so I really recommend it was really refreshing in that sense because I think that topic has been less talked about because Mm. we, I mean you can grow and you can get in uh, lot of uh, value in a company if you dare to be if you if you dare to th- think long term but we are yes. so focused now on
0: quick growth that we're kind of often forgetting about that completely agree and and that is my main takeaway and I I have very little experience from publicly traded companies I should say that that I'm only in privately owned and or, or non-public uh companies so but but yes you, you know as if you're if you're a shareholder you see that happening all the time and it's also for me can be very confusing because a company can exceed their sales growth uh, or sales targets and and, and the share can still go down, right? Mm. But but in this scenario, what we're talking about right now, so if you're raising external capital from someone, I think it's super important that you spend substantial time together talking about what kind of company you want to grow together. Mm. Because if you have... A VC that has a short term, two to three year horizon, and are really looking to get the the big return on investment for that, that is a very different owner than, for example, an evergreen family office that are looking to grow a, a long term profitable company with with uh, with investments in culture, in people. So it's not just about the business model, it's not just about the product or service, it's also about daring to talk long-term. So I would say that it's almost like talking about marriage and how you wanna raise your kids during <laughs> the first date, right? Yeah. Because if you have that, those discussions early on, you will very, very s- soon realize if it's a good fit or not. Yeah. And I think the, that book is all about that, essentially. Yeah
1: yeah and I, I think what we are also bringing up now takes a bit of confidence mm-hmm. because um, I'm only talk I can only talk for myself of course. but uh, you know it is uh, daunting to go to an investor and say hey do you want to invest your money into my company mm-hmm. and to then start asking them for a lot of things like I mean it's almost like you're switching the perspective a yeah. bit, like will yeah. I allow you uh, <laughs> to invest in my company yeah. like uh, do we share the same uh, dreams and, and goals and and I like the reference to to dating or raising a family yeah. but but. Um, I think that there is a, a bit of a power struggle in those discussions uh, where uh, maybe you as an owner or founder or, yeah. you know, part of the founding team
0: uh, needs to kind of uh, step up and there to have that conversation. There is indeed, but I, I I am seeing a shift, though. I am seeing that founders and, and I mean, it probably has most probably has that correlation to the fact that capital is a little bit more available these days, you know, we've had a a really good kind of Economy in the last few <laughs> years, the stock market has been booming. There's especially in Stockholm, there's been quite a lot of few successful exits. So there's a lot of private capital, and to be raised, and we see new VCs and funds kind of being raised all in every day almost. So it's been easier to obviously, raise capital and so on. But I I do see a shift, especially among uh, you know generations that among founders that are maybe 30 to 35 years old right now, where where they are confident in their product and service and company, which which all founders should be, but also that they're putting out more demands on, on the owners. They're asking them questions such as, what's the diversity among the partners? You know, who are your LPs? Uh, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, sustainability, diversity, and culture. They want to make sure that the owners that they take on board on the company share the same beliefs and and values that they they are trying to really incorporate into there. And I think that's super healthy because that in terms will change how VCs that are traditionally male dominant uh, dominated, how investors. So we need to we need to shift the way that uh, more females are coming to, to to power and to ownership and so on, and if we can, and I'll, it's not just about men and females. It's obviously about ethnicity, age, and background, and and so on. And if we see that coming from the founders, uh, I mean, I think I'm really think that's going to change the dynamics. And I, I, I'm starting to see it a little bit. Um, and maybe I'm being naive to think that that's going to change the world. But, but it's healthy uh, and it's it's really nice to see. I'm so happy to hear that it's happening. I, I think
1: <laughs> I'm a bit, you know, t- I have my have my head in my uh, work now. So, yeah. so I, I haven't seen this yet, but I'm very, very happy to hear that it's happening.
0: I can just say, I mean, in the la- it, I've worked with a couple of companies recently that just closed around and I know that on their shortlist, uh, for for investors that they are were actively trying to pursue, they had a long list of questions for them, and among those, there was okay, how many females do you have on your board? How many females are on general partners? Uh, who are your LPs? Where the and, and uh, where are your money coming from? Um, how do you drive diversity, sustainability? What are the other portfolio companies that you have? Uh, and and that is new to me i've never seen that before and and but i hear from the from from the venture capitalists and private equity companies that they see that a lot yeah now.
1: cool i'm happy to hear yes yeah <laughs> uh just uh, one question more on this uh, theme before we move on I mean, because you worked a lot internationally and, and abroad. What's the difference between raising capital in Sweden versus in other markets or like those you have experience
0: of? So I think that's changing a lot. I think Sweden is is pretty international now as opposed to ten years ago and so on. But obviously the biggest the biggest difference is is that the currency, right? Because we're raising we're raising the same amount of money in sick here as you do in dollars. Mm. So you you tend to be a little bit, if I compare to the American market, which is the market that I have the most experience from, you see that instead of, of SEC, you see a dollar, but it's the same amount. So mm-hmm. it's 10 times higher, obviously. So there are bigger rounds, you know, There are, uh, it's higher, more fierce comp- uh, competition among both. The need for capital, but also the supply of capital, um, it tends to take a lot quicker these days, uh, especially with the likes of companies like Tiger Global that has uh, almost like a rule that they put a term sheet on the table within forty-eight hours. So we're speed- seeing speedier processes and 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 so on. So I would say it's it's typically the amount and and how fast a ra- around round is uh, raised and. In general, American, and again, I'm I'm comparing to Silicon Valley and the tech startups there, are raising bigger money more often. Mm. Uh, We're a little bit more cash conscious here in in Scandinavia, Mm. which I think is healthy.
1: Good. I I just... So, because I kind of seen this from very far aside I haven't mm. been in the US but I I kind of noticed as a whole it's the same number but a different currency mm. is that only related to like market size or is it like a cultural thing or like what's
0: the what's the reason for that I don't really know I mean I should say that it's probably a combination of more of a bullish attitude uh, with uh, the the capital uh, and actually accessibility to capital to uh, the U.S. market is a big market. And, and if you want to conquer that one, you need more co- money than conquering a market like Sweden or, or maybe the Nordics. Mm-hmm. So it's it's probably a combination of a lot of things, I would, I would assume.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I guess there is no right uh, answer, maybe, no. but mm-hmm. uh, interesting. Uh, so before we leave the theme of investment and mm-hmm. financing, uh, I asked you the same thing. Is there anything I should have asked you about that I
0: haven't? Well, I think, I mean, investing in and in financing company growth is is such an honor to be able to do. You know, you're helping someone really trying to achieve typically their passion and dream. And and, and, and it's also a, a rather long term relationship that you're signing up to. So I think it's uh it's a subject that's very close to my heart and I could talk a long time about, but maybe we should organize another podcast about that. Only doing that, yes. yeah.
1: We can also <laughs> talk uh, about the investment in, in females and females uh, mm. searching investment, because I think uh, if I just round up a bit uh, talking about that, I have found that from the outside, the conversation is many times that, oh, why aren't females like searching for capital mm. and, you know, they can do it and we're looking for females uh, who, who want to do it and so forth forth but they're never talking about the fact that you know as at least um from my perspective in in uh, what I've done previously so I don't know if I want to like mm-hmm. there is a lot of work after mm-hmm. you have have done it and and uh, you know I want I want to have a lot of fun and not only think about work all the time is that okay <laughs> yes <laughs> but we never talk about that that yeah. uh, we just maybe are driven by other things or now I'm putting all females on the same but Maybe
0: no, no, but it's it's uh it's funny that you said that because I just had uh, had lunch with a with a with a friend of mine and we talked about this subject indeed and mm-hmm. and, and we 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 talked about the 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 main legos of founders yeah. and 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 the bullish <laughs> attitude and 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 so on and and sometimes a little bit of a hubris and and yeah. now I'm stereotyping just like you just did <laughs> exactly. but but so pardon me of our listeners but but I, I think um there are lots of amazing female founders out there they are looking for capital but they do get different questions they are getting a different kind of reception from from and that's changing a lot and and i'm sorry for all the venture capitalists that, that are listening to this but there i've seen that first time you know i've helped female founders i they uh, and and it, 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 is, it is different. We're definitely not there for when it comes to equality, when it comes to how female founders are being perceived when they're pitching.
1: Mm.
0: Interesting. Mm. Okay, so I t-
1: think we definitely must talk later. <laughs> 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 yeah, so so kind of finally um, approaching board members and investors. Um, yes. I mean, it is a bit daunting. I mean, looking at someone with, I mean, yours, uh, your resume or something
0: else, like how how do we get your attention? So I think you should think about it as networking um, and and the way you described how you work with your board, saying that you, you typically ask them something too late and give them 24 hours to respond. <laughs> uh, it's very similar to a lot of founders yes. um, when they're looking for capital, so... In an ideal world, you should always be looking for capital. You should, mm. you should always be networking. You should always try to involve external people into your company. And and I always advise people to um, do emphasize networking, do spread excitement, to be very narrative in how you talk about your company and, and also, you know, Make sure that you send out newsletters, highlights to to potential uh, investors and board members because by piquing their interest and in keeping them involved, they will automatically emotionally start thinking about your company, right? Mm. And then I would say if there's something that I've noticed recently, um, so once you're on a board, you automatically get. Asked to sit on more boards it's kind mm-hmm. of like the ketchup bottle right first yeah. come nothing and then comes everything so and that speaks more as sort a of lack of creativity i would say among recruiters and and chair <laughs> um, men and women but uh, so so i do i do get a lot of requests for sitting on on, on boards and that's very flattering but it's a, it's a long-term commitment and it does take a lot of time so so i try to be extremely selective to to how I, I actually choose to spend my time and and not just jump on opportunities that I can't commit to. But what I've realized is that a lot of the time people who reach out are very good at telling me about why they need me, and but they're very bad at telling me what's in it for me. Mm. So a little bit of selling and pitching here, you know, yeah. and it's not about the financial returns or or the compensations or options or shares or what have you. But it's typically you need to really pitch about why should I be excited about your company? And when, in everything I, I do, I try to learn something. So so don't forget to pitch why why they should be excited about working with you and what's in it for them. Yeah. So kind of changing, changing the spiel around. Uh, and I think that goes for investors as well. Uh, it's it's important that you're really passionate about what you're trying to do, that you're clear, um, you have a clear mission, uh, and 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 that you create that atmosphere that's impossible for an investor, a board member to say no about. It's kind of the cool club feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be part of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that's true. Okay, so we're we're talking about the perfect scenario. So mm-hmm. I have. Um, I'm on time this time, uh, and <laughs> uh, and uh, I have a very good pitch about what's in it for you, mm. uh, but I, I'm not alone. Maybe you get 20 uh, ones that are on time and, and have a good yeah, pitch for yeah. you. Is there anything in particular to pique your interest or a hook or anything that, you know? Sure.
0: Uh, I think it's a combination of... Uh, it's important for me to see that my competence and experience will add value to your company. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, it would be challenging for me to be on the board of a company that works in an industry with a business model uh, that has nothing to do with my past experience because automatically I will fear insecure that it it Mm. will be too much of a uh, mismatch. Secondly, I also think that it's important for me to make sure that I understand that I will learn something, mm-hmm. I will develop and I will grow uh, from from this area here. So that combination of making sure that I can add value to the company and help you, because otherwise it's no point, with the fact that I will also learn something and take something away with that. Mm, I
1: like that. I'm already starting to...
0: <laughs> Draw up emails in my head. So, uh, going uh,
1: from that, if you are looking for something, like yeah. what are you looking for, or what? So, so if someone would be pitching you today, what uh, yeah. what would pique your interest? How would they convince you to to join
0: them? <laughs> I mean, I'm really, really uh, intrigued by building amazing, strong, cultured companies. Uh, and right now, the companies that that I've been spending the most time with is. Very culture-driven companies that obviously are, make, are very, very ambitious and goal-oriented, but they're also making sure that they are building a solid foundation and wants to have people on board that are sharing their belief on how you should regard work in life and then kind of balance that out. And, and uh, I always say that it's a marathon, not a sprint, so, therefore, you need to ease into it. You can't go sprinting a marathon, right? You yeah. know you need to have ups and downs. But it's super important for you to enjoy, you know, mile 30. Because if you don't, there's no point running the marathon. Yeah. Even so, if you, if you go out too fast, too hard and so on. And um, end of the day, it's business, but it's also your life. You know, you have to have fun doing it and and i think that's based on my experience in the past where i've been focusing too much on the goal and that has prevented me from enjoying the journey so i'm trying Mm. not to make the same mistakes again as an investor and as a board member Mm, i like that and and uh um uh, I mean, I had a, a very interesting
1: conversation with Johnny, running uh, Mentimeter. I uh, had a walk with him, and he talked about culture and stuff. Nice. So, um, fr- from that kind of connection, I definitely uh, see why you're why you're there. Yeah, there are other reasons as
0: well. But, no, uh, I mean Johnny and the Mentimeter team is it's extremely impressive, and I've I've learned so much from working with them that that uh, I'm trying to take a lot of that with me in the in the other companies that I'm working with but yeah. they're truly impressive the way that they work with culture and and building a solid company not not for short-term profitability.
1: Mm. Simon Senek. Yes, the why. Starts with the why. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Cool, so uh, just a final question on this approaching. Like, it is is easier to kind of find people that are a bit similar to you, but Mm -hmm. um, for many reasons you want a very diverse uh, group of people around you, both Mm -hmm. like, ethnicity gender and so forth but also knowledge wise and i think we focused a bit more on how you make sure you get the um, a good variation in knowledge but mm. not how how you get a good variation in when it comes to diversity mm. do you have any tips there mm,
0: no uh, because it's it's to be able to do so you need to realize you need to have a pretty good idea of who you are as a person yourself right and 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 uh, i don't think a lot of people myself included probably has <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but it's about challenging the norm and, and part of that is actually how you find people, how you do the recruitment and and uh, nine out of 10 times you start racking your brain and you start thinking, mm, do I know someone who has board experience or do I know someone who could do this before, who I've worked with in the past or who I, and then you're making your first mistake, right? Because mm-hmm. if you, uh, it's, you should almost start challenging to see can I find someone that I've never heard of that has been working in a completely different setting with different people? And and also in your first meeting you will probably not get well along. You will probably <laughs> kind of disagree. Uh but hopefully that will be good, you know, it yeah. will initiate and spark ideas and discussion and, and will leave you kind of go from there thinking, oh, actually, you know, this is a, this is interesting. So I don't have a magic recipe. I think it's about challenging yourself in the recruitment process uh, and also about being extremely open minded initially and and not be afraid of disagreeing. Yeah, sometimes. I feel like we're so eager to please each other in, as, a, as a community that, that every sign of disagreement is causing a lot of friction and, and anxiety and that is not always the case. Oh
1: my God, you're so right about that completely guilty
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think we i think we all are
1: yeah i actually i do have a bit of a tip to the listeners on kind of a similar i haven't thought about it from the board perspective i definitely made the mistake then but i uh, so remember my first hire i decided to uh, make sure it was someone who i i had never met and didn't have any connection with Mm. Uh, and i think that is a Bit, I mean, there are companies who have done that, so so we're yeah. not unique in in that way. But I think a lot of companies, uh, the founders know each other from before, and yes. they kind of come in with a history of something, mostly good, but also a history of something. And I think it's been for us very beneficial that we didn't have that. We could mm-hmm. create everything from the beginning together, and um, I'm 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 super thankful for that. So I should consider this in in
0: more parts yeah. of running business and so forth. And there are amazing tools out there that you can use as well, right? So yeah. everything is Laza labs and what have you so 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 I really really encourage uh, them to be used in all sorts of recruitment whether it's uh, it's uh, an employee whether it's an exec or a promotion or whether it's a board member and so on
1: yeah mm-hmm. it's starting to be time to wrap up mm-hmm. but so then I ask you the the kind of it is my favorite question but yeah. then for the entire pod what haven't I asked you about that I should ask you about
0: I mean we talked about really Quite high level, different subjects. I mean, investing—that's the subject on its own, and you can probably talk a lot about that. Board, um, board work. Uh, I've given you my 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 view on the situation. Uh, obviously, you can be more granular about that. Um. So, so hopefully, I I've given a few tips and ideas to people that are listening to that they can kind of bring into their organization and their company. So, there's nothing that that I have thought. I'm going to walk away from here thinking, ah, oh, why didn't you ask me this? <laughs> and, but in general, I think if I could conclude, I should say that the board only gets as good as you want them to be. Mm. So if you want really to squeeze out everything you can from the board, Involve them, involve them not just in the board meetings, but assign them tasks, ask for help, and um, really put them together. Um, you know, maybe assign them as a mentor to someone in your team, uh, and because you'd be surprised how how much time they're probably willing to give you if you just ask for it, mm-hmm. uh, and and think of them as your extended management team. You know, yeah. so so uh, that I think, and and by looking at them and keeping trying to keep them at proxy away from from the rest of the team i think you're just making a mistake and not getting the most out of your board so and in terms of I mean, invest investors look at it as a marriage you know it's a it's a passionful or maybe passionless and maybe source <laughs> marriage so it's important that you really discuss the hard things and you talk about long-term vision and your line on them because otherwise you're, you're just going to disagree at some point yeah, I think that's about it. <laughs> I,
1: I love that uh, summary. I also I also take with me some of the smaller, like concrete tips, mm. like uh, making sure to include the board members mm. in the weekly emails
0: and, and uh, that sort of... Um, but you have to hacks. put a cadence to it. You have to put it in your calendar, yes. you know, and uh, done is so much better than than perfect. So it's about sending out two sentences rather than doing a newsletter.
1: Yeah, very good. Thank you, Hannah, so much for coming. It's been an honor talking with you, and uh, I hope to see you again. Likewise. Thanks. Thanks for listening in to our podcast, Winning in the Nordics, presented by AppsFlyer. You know where to find us.
0: Subscribe and leave us a review on Apple, Google, Spotify, and all good podcast apps.